Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. We are in um, uh, a new series we titled Stewardship, and in you know Isaiah 32, verse 8, is a reminder to us about stewardship and generosity. And it says, generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. So I I know people that actually have their budget already set for 2023 of the level of generosity that they're going to give away as uh, part of their financial plan. Now, obviously, um, there's things that they'll do that's off the cuff and a surprise blessing or what have you, but generous people have a plan to be generous. And so we launched into this sermon series called uh, Stewardship, and it's really keys to unlocking supernatural provision in our life. And and I love this definition um, from Pastor Robert Morris. He said this, he said, stewardship is the management of a property of another. Stewardship is the management of the property of another. And so last week we began, and, and the, the heartbeat of the message really divided into two kind of key parts, and that was that, number one, God owns it all. God owns it all. And number two, if he owns it all, then I'm just a steward. So because I know that God owns it all, it's really easy to tithe. Because I know God owns it all, it's really easy for me to give. Because I know that God owns it all, if somebody has a need for something that I have in my possession, I've been blessed to be a blessing so that I can help that person in their time of need. God owns it all. Psalms 24 verse 1 reminds us, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. My kids, they're my kids, but I'm really just a steward over them until they spread their wings and go their way that the Lord would lead them in their lives. Uh, My finances that I have, I'm just a steward of it. Your job that you have, you're a steward of that position. You're a steward of that moment. We're really all stewards. And and a few things about uh, stewardship, Jesus said this statement in Matthew 25, 21. This is the statement everybody wants to hear. And this is, this is the only place you're going to find it in the Bible. This is the famous statement, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So this is a statement Jesus makes, and we quote it, and all of us want to, we want to come into the presence of God at the end of our days, and we want to hear that word. So have, have you ever said that to yourself or heard somebody say that? Like, I just want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. Well, the only time that that's mentioned in the Bible, when it's talking about managing God's money. Jesus shares the parable of the talent. So he shared 38 parables. 16 of the parables were actually in regards to money and stuff. How many know Jesus wasn't trying to get money and stuff from anybody, right? He was sharing it because he wanted to help unlock for them greater blessings in their life so that they could be a blessing. And so he makes this statement about the parable of the talents, and talents, by the way, is not talking about your gifting or your finances. I've heard some people talk about it as gifting or, or my skills or what have you. In this parable of the talents, it's specifically talking about a sum of money. In a talent, in the parable of a talent, the, a talent of gold was the equivalent to about $1.9 million U.S. current value. So a talent represented 
the, the sum of what the average person would make over their lifetime. So the average earnings of somebody's life, their working time, which most people work from 17 to about 50 years old, which is 33 years. Obviously, for those of you that are believers, you understand the correlation of the number 33 in the life of Jesus and when he was busy doing his father's work, right? And so they, they would accumulate wealth from 17 to about 50 years old, and then they would kind of retire. And in retirement, uh, they were really, uh, they had raised up their sons and family members to take over family business things, and they were stewarding that. So Jesus says in the parable of the talents, some were given, or one guy was given one talent, so basically, you're, you, you represent the average, but another person represented twice the average. So they were two times uh, the earnings of the other person. And it was, it was the, parable, the parable of the talents. It said that the Lord gave to them what they had the ability to steward and manage. So some people want to say, well, man, if I only made more money, my question is, how are you doing stewarding the money you got? How are you doing stewarding the money you have? So the person with one talent, what did they do? They buried it, Right? The person with two talents, what they do, they actually increased it. And because they increased it and they were faithful with God's money, with his stuff, the Lord added to it, right? And then the guy with five talents, some of those people, they have the ability to earn five times the average income, okay? We call them athletes in today's world, okay? My boys were like, I want to, I want to be a professional football player. And I'm like, well, the real money is in baseball, son. So if you want to, if you, you know. And it's not too much wear and tear on your body. Most baseball players are still in their right minds. They make a pretty good income. They're doing all right. Football players get banged up, and most of the football players end up exiting the NFL, and 75% of them are broke uh, when they leave the NFL, right? And so, but there's some people that they have the ability to make five times. That's, that's God's giving them um, an ability to manage that level of finances. And so in this parable of the talents, the Lord gives them five times the average income, and then that faithful steward added to it, and then the Lord adds to it based on what they, and he says those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So if we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, according to the Bible, according to what Jesus said, he's talking about money. And some people say, well, why are we talking about money in church? And, and the reality is because Jesus talked about money. He talked about finances. Now, let me say this. Uh, we don't need your money as a church. God doesn't need your money because it's his money. And so if God wants to do something, if he, if he has a desire to do something through this church, and we know that we're faithful stewards of what he's placed in our hands, we know that every need is gonna be met. And I've yet to meet somebody that was wealthy, successful, abundantly blessed to the point where they could be a blessing to somebody else. I've never met a person like that who didn't tithe, who didn't give generously, and who wasn't a faithful steward. Good stewards do three things. Number one, they spend wisely, they save diligently, and they give generously. In last week's message, I won't re rehearse it, but you can go back and watch it on uh, YouTube or podcast or what have you. Then we gave, we gave some just practical advice and some tips and some budgeting uh, ideas and things like that. So if you want to listen to it, that was in last week's message. But today I want to actually talk about seeing increase through seed sown. And so I'm going to pray, 
And then we're going to jump into the Word of God today because His Word is life, it's truth, and uh, and His Word transforms us, changes us. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your Word. I thank you, Father, that your Word is a light. God, it lights our path. It shows us where to go. It corrects us in an area where we had wrong thinking. It challenges us. It challenges our motives and our heart. I thank you that it's sharper than a a two-edged sword that you're gonna divide right now to the heart of every one of us in this room. I thank you that you have a word to speak to every single person here. And so, Lord, we just ask you to speak. We ask you to speak, God. We wanna hear from you. Nobody came to hear man speak. We all came here to hear you speak. And so, Lord, we just pray right now. We position our hearts to receive from you And we just pray that you would speak. Your servants are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis, if you're new to the Bible, it's in the very front of the Bible, the first book, Genesis. And we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. And we're going to take a look at a famous passage of Scripture. The the patriarchs of of the, the, the faith Um, When you take a look through history, there was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Okay, those were the the big three. And so Abraham is the father of many nations. Abraham had two sons. His firstborn son was Ishmael um, because he didn't wait. And then he ended up with Isaac, who was his promised son. And so Isaac has grown up. Um, Isaac, uh, in terms of this passage of scripture, we know that he is at least 60 years old at this time because he was 40 years old when he took um, his wife. And, and, then, uh, and, and then, then they ended up having children. Their children are growing up. And Isaac is doing his best to take care of his family. And then there's a famine that hits the land like every generation experiences. So Genesis 26, if you're there, say amen. All right, and if you're not there, we got a big Bible on the screen to help you get there. So Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. So every generation, when you read through the Bible, and if you just take a look at history, every generation experiences a famine. So because we know that every generation experiences some sort of a famine, even more so should we be good stewards and good planners. Just saying. Now there was a famine in the land as in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of, what I, of which I should tell you. So Isaac's wondering, where do I go? He, he's like, do, do I stay here? Do I go? I've been sowing. There's, there's a famine. There's no rain. Um, the, the, the food source is dwindling down. I don't know what to do. I'm overtaxed in the state of California. What do I do? And the Lord says, I don't want you to leave. Actually, I want you to, I want you to stay here. And so he stays here. That's a Peterson paraphrase version right there for you. Verse 2, and the Lord appeared to him and said, do not, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I should tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you. I will bless you for you and to your offspring. I will give all these lands. 
And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give your offspring all these lands. So God's reminding him of a promise that he made to his family lineage, to his dad. Parents in the room, please hear me. There are promises that God is giving to you that is not just for you. It's gonna be for your kids. And I wanna encourage us as a church family, especially for those of us that have kids, make it a priority to be in the house of God. Having walked with God now for over 20 years, I've seen parents that only came to church when it was convenient with their kids. And now I've seen their kids now that they're in their 20s and they're not living on fire for Jesus and they wonder why. It's because they only went when it was convenient. So their faith was one that they only practiced when it was convenient. And then, thank God, most of them come back to the Lord because of the promises of God, and it's usually after they have a shipwreck level type of event, catastrophic, something in their life happens, where they go, I gotta return to God. Praise God for those that return to God. But how much, how much more would it be if our kids never knew a day apart from the presence of God? That's why it's so critical to be in the house of God. So he makes this promise. He says, I'm gonna multiply your offspring, verse four, as the stars of heaven, and I will give you, I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your, offspring, in, your, in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So in other words, because your dad followed my ways, I'm actually gonna bless you and your future generations. Because your parents followed my ways, I'm gonna bless you. So when you're hit with temptation to do something foolish, there is repercussions, but because you were faithful, the generation following behind you, your sons, your daughters, they're gonna be blessed because of your faithfulness. Jumping over to uh, verse 12. So what did Isaac do? Verse 12, so Isaac sowed in the land and he reaped that same year a hundredfold. Everybody say hundredfold. A hundredfold, so he sowed and he reaped and the Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants. Man, who would not give to have a housekeeper after cleaning up for Thanksgiving? So he had many housekeepers to take care of his Thanksgiving meal. So the Philistines envied him. And now the Philistines had stopped and filled with the earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. So there was a practice where you found a piece of property. Obviously, you wouldn't want to stay there if there was no water. Water was the life source. So when they found a piece of property that they liked, what would they do? They would dig a well. They would find water, and that, that water would nourish them. So if you wanted to cut off the supply lines of anybody that was living in an area where you didn't want them, you would go and find those wells, you would stop them up, and you would do your best to hide those wells so that they wouldn't come and encroach on your lands. So that's what the Philistines did. They stopped up all the wells of his father, Abraham. And, and Abimelech tells Isaac, he's like, get away from us, you're mightier than we are. So stay, stay out of here, you're, you're too powerful for us. Verse 17, so Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham. So he's redigging the old wells. 
He's going back to where his father found life. He's going back to those places that brought his father and his family life. Now he's going back to those places. And in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and they found there was a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quickly, they quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. Now, mind you, these guys are Philistines, okay? It just in, in case you're new to the Bible, traditionally when you see the word Philistines, those are the bad guys, okay? So there's the people of God that you can look at in simplicity and think they're the good guys. The Philistines, overall, they're the bad guys, okay? And so, so they, they go and they redug these areas. Verse 19, but when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found that there was a well of spring water, verse 20, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water's ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they contended with him. And when they dug another well, verse 21, they quarreled over that well also. So he called it Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well. It's third time's a charm, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night, the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your offspring. So if God is telling you fear not, it's probably because you're battling some fear. How many know that if you're sitting here dealing with these guys and they're quarreling and they're taking over the areas that you thought was yours, taking promises that you thought was your promises, you thought, Lord, I thought this was my promise. I thought you were gonna provide a certain way and it's not looking like the provision that I thought I was gonna have and this, I feel like it's due to me. I felt like this was an opportunity that you had for me and it's not working out. How many know that you would have a little bit of fear wondering, Lord, are you gonna provide? And the Lord says, fear not. I'm gonna provide for you. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, I'm with you. I will bless you, you and your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So Isaac built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug another well. So I, I felt as I prepared for the sermon today, I I felt prophetically that the Lord is saying, there's some of you that are coming into a Beersheba. You're coming to a Beersheba moment where you felt like you were displaced. You, you tried your hand at this business. You tried your hand in that opportunity. You got this job, but it's kind of not really what you thought it would be. And you're just wondering, Lord, are you really leading me? And I feel like the Lord is saying, yes, I'm leading you, that those former places are actually preparing you for the future place that I have for you, that God has a Beersheba for you. Now, Beersheba, just so you know, it's located approximately halfway between the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea. So it's located halfway between life and it's located be between death. So there's life in the Mediterranean Sea, there was fishing villages, there was, there was opportunities for trade and commerce, and then over here you had the Dead Sea, and right in the middle is this intersection, intersection of Beersheba where you can choose to go which way you wanna go. If you're gonna walk towards life, you're gonna walk towards death. And right now, some of you are at that intersection, and God is leading you to life-filled opportunities of blessings over you. 
And the word that the Lord, as I'm journaling, I'm writing this down as fast as I can as I'm having time with the Holy Spirit. And he, he made this statement to me. He said, Jeff, the storehouse of supernatural increase is located at the intersection of stewardship and generosity. The storehouse of supernatural increase is located at the intersection of stewardship and generosity. I know people that are incredibly generous, they give you the shirt off their back. The challenge is they're just not good stewards, so they don't have enough shirts. <laughs> but man, their heart is so pure, they just lack good stewardships. And then I've, I've, I've met people that, man, they're phenomenal stewards. Man, they are so tight on their budget and their finances and every dollar has a name. And they're the biggest tightwads <laughs> that you would ever meet. But if you want to see supernatural increase in your finances, if you want to be blessed to be a blessing, it happens at that intersection of stewardship and generosity. When those two come together, And God wants to remind us this morning that it's not just about being generous. That's great. In our Legacy Sunday offering that we're gonna be doing next week, it, it is a generous time. And this season is a time that's filled with generosity. But the Lord's also challenging us as a people to be good stewards of what you had. I've, I found that through life that there's a lot of people, especially in the church, that man, they wanna be generous. Like an opportunity comes up and they want to be generous, but then they look in their budget and they're like, ooh, I overspent on ba 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 ba. All these different areas. And so they want to be generous, but because of decisions that they made that were maybe not the best in self-control, now their budget is strapped so tight that they really don't have much to give. And, and, and Jesus said in Matthew 6.21, he said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And, and I, I've heard people speak on this and preach on it through the years. I heard one guy misquote it. He says, you know, where, where your heart is, your treasure is. And that's not what it says. It actually says where your treasure is, there's your heart. The treasure goes first. So a lot of times where we spend our money ends up catching our heart, right? So if you spend your money on something, then you start getting excited about it. It's like, well, I spent all that money on that car, so now I'm going to be really excited about this car, Right? But on the good side, when we give our money to things that are on God's heart, oh man, our heart is there also. But a lot of times it leads with just a simple act of obedience. Just a simple act of obedience. And, and, and you know, with David said in, um, it's not, we don't have a slide for it, I, I want to say it's in Samuel 24. Um, David said, I, I'm not going to give an offering that didn't cost me anything. Like, like, like tithes and offerings, just so you know, like a, a pastor didn't come up with that. <laughs> like it wasn't just like, okay, the music's done. What do we do now? Uh, let's take up an offering to take care of the needs of the church. Like, that, that, like a, a pastor didn't come up with that idea. Like actually God instituted the tithe. He instituted the tithe to remind us he owns it all. He owns it all. Even in the garden, he told Adam and Eve, hey, you can have any tree but this one. This one's mine. You can tend the garden you can eat from those, but this one's mine. So every time you walk by this, Adam and Eve, you're reminded this is my garden and this is my tree. And I, I own it all. And, and, and David said, I don't want to give any offering that didn't cost me something. And so going back to the story of Isaac, so he's sowing in the time when there's a famine. 
If Isaac would have just kept that seed, he never would have saw the harvest. And I'm sure that there was times in Isaac's moment where he's about to sow the seed where he's wondering, is this a good idea? I'm almost out of seed. Is this a good idea? I'm gonna plant this. I'm gonna pray for rain. I'm gonna pray and believe that there's gonna be a harvest. Is this a good idea? But something in his spirit said, yes, do this, because the Lord told him, I want you to dwell here. So he decides, instead of moving on, he's gonna put down some roots. He says, well, if I'm gonna be here, then the Lord's gonna bless me, then I'm gonna sow seed, and I'm gonna trust and believe that the seed that I sow in the ground is gonna reap a harvest. And I love the scriptures where it talks about, you know, Jesus said, hey, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing and giving, you know. In other words, he's saying, don't make your giving public for everybody to know. Be like, yeah, I gave a million bucks to the church or whatever it is. He says, don't do that. And when you worship, don't just do it in public. When you, when you pray, just don't, don't just pray in public. Go, go, go away to your prayer closet and do it in private. And, and Jesus was getting to the heart of the person, getting to the heart of the person praying, getting to the heart of the person worship, getting to the heart of the person giving. And when that widow come up with two mites, was, which was basically two mites equaled one penny, okay? So when she gives one penny, and Jesus looks, and he's watching them give the offering. <laughs> we have the luxury now to give online, right? So you know, nobody really knows what we give or what have you. Imagine you're in the temple with Jesus and he's sitting there by the offering bucket. Good to see you at church today. Good to see you at church today. Good. Good to see you at church. Really? Okay, good to see you at church. And, and there's a woman that comes up. She's got one penny and she gave. And Jesus shows his disciples, he goes, that woman, that widow, she gave more than anybody else. Like that, she gave everything she had. She just gave right here. And of all the people that he could have talked about in their generosity, in their obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit, he talks about her. It's not a dollar amount. Sometimes we think, oh, well, it's just somebody that gives big or what have you. Like I remember going to a church one time and, and, um, and I'd met with some pastors there and, and they would do this thing where they would gather certain people that gave a certain dollar amount for the year and they would do a dinner with them to thank them. And I understand some of the premise of that in terms of some people have a higher capacity for earning and generosity, et cetera. And I understand the premise, but that stuff just didn't sit right in my spirit. I just feel like, you know what, if, if Jesus celebrated the woman with the penny more than the multimillionaire that gave a thousand bucks or a hundred grand or whatever the check amount might have been, like then I think we should also as the church. It's not a dollar amount. It's, it's, it's the obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. For where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Generosity. So generosity is actually one of the, the cultural values for us here at Authentic Church. And we've been fortunate. You guys have been so generous. We have actually been able to, through your hands and through the ministries of the church, we've been actually able to give over $20,000 in benevolence as a church. Like that's for a, a, a intimate church the size of ours. Like that's a, that's a big amount. Like I'm, I'm so, like if I was your dad, I'm just so proud of you <laughs> for your generosity. Like I love that, you know, and it's going to meet needs within our community. It's beautiful. And generosity is one of our core values. We like to say it this way with generosity we live open-handed. We believe everything belongs to God, so we cheerfully give. We steward our time, talents, 
and our resources. We cheerfully give. What would happen if Isaac held on to the seed? Future generations wouldn't be blessed. What, ha- what would happen if Isaac didn't dig a well? He, he, he wouldn't have survived. There's an aspect of digging wells and sowing seed. In my mind, digging wells, I liken it a lot of times, you'll look in the scripture, there's, there's wells of, of, of things that happen uh, through the Holy Spirit. I look at it as worship and prayer is like digging a well, and sowing a seed is like giving financially to somebody in need, Some, sowing seed. And generosity, it's beautiful. When you sow seed, there, yes, you, the, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. It's all about the heart. But there should be something on the inside of you. If you're gonna sow a seed, you should expect a return. I wanna encourage you. Now, you don't give to get. Like, absolutely not. In our house, we say we get to give. We get to give. The Lord has blessed us to be a blessing. But all of Christianity exists on this idea of pay it forward. Have you ever heard that term, pay it forward, right? And you would hear there, there was, a, uh, there was a, a line, and I, I wanna say it went for, I wanna say that it, it was like the world record. It went for like two or three days straight of people buying the coffee behind them in line at a drive-thru. You know, the, you know how that happens during the, you ever do that? I pulled up one time and, and, and they said, hey, the person in front of you bought your meal. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool. Well, let me get, you know, the person in front of you bought your meal. And then, and, and then the obvious thought of the person at the window is, are you going to get the next guy behind you, right? And so, and so we do that. And so anyway, so the, the, I think the world record was actually three days straight that it went on where the person would say, I'll get the next guy. I'll, and how would you like to be the, la- the guy that broke the streak? Where he's like, they buy my meal? Okay, good, cool. Do you want to buy them? No, man, they can buy, they can buy themselves, you know. <laughs> like, like there's something where you, you don't want to be that guy, right, you know. You want to keep the streak going. Well, there's a streak of generosity in your life. There's a streak of generosity in your life where the Lord provides us opportunities to be generous. And, and it's a simple, in, in the Bible, it's a simple, if you got $2 and you can give one away, give one away. You got two watches and somebody needs a watch, give them a watch. Jesus said, you got two coats and somebody needs it, give them your coat. We, we, we did the, the blessing bags. It was spearheaded by, by uh, Lindsay uh, Hellenius, who is like nine months pregnant today. And, uh, and, and so she, she spearheaded this AC outreach and these, we put together these blessing bags that we keep in our trunk. So all the kids and all, all the... She, all, all, everybody in kids ministry got behind it and, and you guys were generous in giving different items to the blessing bags and the kids assembled those and then we keep them in our trunk so that we always have something to be able to be a blessing to somebody. There is, there is a, a lineage of generosity. For some of you, if you're a first time believer, if you're the first Christian in your lineage, will you get the opportunity to build a family of faith around one of God's big values, which is generous. God so loved the world that he gave, right? When we're generous, we become more like God. Genesis 12, two says this, I will bless you, this is a promise God made to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And I wanna encourage you, you know, a few weeks ago we taught on the prayer of Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4.10, and you can go and read it at a different time. But what, there's four things that Jabez prayed, right? He said, Lord, bless me, increase, enlarge my territory, increase my influence. 
He says, put your hand upon me, put your spirit on me, and then keep me from evil. Like he prayed, Lord, would you bless me? And the Lord actually blessed him. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're a faithful steward, if you're a generous person, how much more would God wanna bless you with more stuff, more things, more influence, more finances, so that you can be a blessing to more people around it? Like the, the, the pay it forward mindset, we're all here in a church building because somebody paid it forward, took an offering, created a building fund, built this beautiful church that we get to sit in today. We, we're, we, we have a Bible that we get to read because somebody said, you know what, this is worth protecting even if it costs me my life, I'm going to pay to protect it and hide it, and I'm going to pay it forward. Then, then there's people that actually paid money to print Bibles in different languages so that you and I and people all around the world can actually have something to read to encounter God. Like, like we exist, the, the church is a pay it forward type of movement, right? And so for all of us, we are paying it forward. So those lanes of legacy, like I said, we have our first offering goes to Israel. Our second offering of the year is our, our anniversary weekend where we thank God, but our third offering of the year is our legacy offering, and that's when we're reaching for the things that God has called us to. So prayerfully consider what areas that God would have you pay it forward and sow seed into. You know, my, my grandfather growing up, we, my grandparents lived in eastern Washington, and I loved going over there. I, I, I love the smells that were over there, the, the smell of the orchards, and especially when, when it was uh, season for, uh, to, to come out and harvest. And so my, my grandpa would have us boys come out and, and, and we would, I mean, I, I've had so many, I've had pears every different way you could cook and eat a pear, I've had it, okay? Like, I really don't care if I ever eat another pear in my life, but it was awesome <laughs> growing up. And so my, my grandfather had this pear orchard and it was uh, five acres and it was just a great little orchard and then he had a couple apple trees. And so we'd go out there and during harvest season, they'd pull up with the semi trucks and they'd drop off all the big uh, storage bins, right? And then the guys would, would get the pears and they'd put them in these big crates and then they would bring them over and then they'd, they'd dump them in and, and throughout the harvest season, then they would get full and then they would take them over to the storage facility. I remember being there for that. And, and this idea of, being, of receiving blessings to be a blessings, it would be like if, now this, this, is, this is a hypothetical, so this didn't happen to my knowledge, but could have happened and I'm sure has happened in different places of the world. But it would be like if my grandfather had five acres that was a pear orchard, and let's say a family down the street went through a difficult time and, and they didn't have food. So my grandparents, because they were kind, generous people, I'm sure they would have given them some pears to feed their family. And then another family down the street that maybe they had a mechanic shop and they're like, hey, I can help fix your car or your farm equipment or what have you. And you're going through a tough time. We can help you with gas. And maybe another family said, hey, well, we, we're wheat farmers and so we got grain so we can provide grain and you guys can bake bread and different things like that. And another farmer says, well, I'm a, I'm a dairy farmer so we actually have cows and we have milk and meat and you can, you can butter and different things like that. So we'll help to provide for you guys as you're getting on your feet. And then let's say more people moved into this little town, which is Wapato, Washington, which is in the middle of nowhere. And more people moved into town. And, and let's say there's some more people that go through hard times. And so then, you know, the, the pear orchards helping them with pears and the dairy farmers helping them with milk and cheese and butter. And then this person's helping them with meat and bread. And then the, the, the guy with, that's a mechanic, he can only service so many vehicles at once. And 
And then there's more people that move into town. And then there's more people that go through hard times. It would be like if my grandfather said, you know what? I have this piece of land next to my orchard. I know how to grow pears. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna plant an orchard over here so that I can have abundance, so I can have more to be a blessing to more families that are in need. That's the mindset of the Genesis 12. I, w- I want to bless you to be a blessing. But it all comes down to stewardship and generosity. Are we good stewards of what God's placed in our hands? And are we generous as the Lord leads us? I'm going to end here with this. I'm going to have Isaac go ahead and come up and play on the keys as we close out this morning. Psalms 115, 14 through 15 says this. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and the earth. Everything in life comes down to stewardship. God has called us to be good stewards. He's called us to be generous. There's a pastor in my life who was talking with uh, one of the business guys in their church that uh, they're very close friends. And, and the business guy had given millions of dollars to help them build this beautiful building. And, uh, and, he, and they were just having a good time and kind of joking with him. And the business guy says, uh, he goes, you know, it's a pretty good building. I helped you build it. And the pastor said, you, you did, you know, but, it, but it's God's money, you know. And he said, well, you know, it, it was my name on the check, though. Ha, 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 jokes. And the pastor said, well, it was God's money. And he says, well, you certainly needed my money when you were trying to build your building. <laughs> and he said, it's God's money. And God will build what he wants to build. He'll do what he wants to do but he does it through people who are generous. And the moment that we think that it's ours, the moment we think it's about us, the moment we give with strings attached, then it's not really generous. So the pastor lovingly corrected him and and he just said, "It's, it's not your money. And the moment that you think that it's your money, God will be quick to take it away. And for us as a church family, it's, it's not about financially just giving towards something. It's really about stewarding what God's placed in our hands. So as we close out today, I just want to ask you just to go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads, posture yourself to hear from the Lord and just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me in this message? God, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me about stewardship, about generosity? And maybe today, right now, maybe, maybe you haven't been the best steward. And you're like, you know what? I want to I I get right with God. I want to I be a good steward of the finances he's placed in my life. I know that I haven't been the best steward. And you just need to repent. And you just need to say, Lord, will you forgive me? Forgive me for not exercising self-control with my purchases. Forgive me for, for overspending. Forgive me for being lackadaisical on my job. Forgive me for not being more diligent in my budget. Forgive me. And maybe you're a great steward, but 
The reality is you've felt the prompting to be generous, but you've kind of held on to it. Maybe some thoughts that sound wise have infiltrated your heart and your mind where you've held on to things when God's asked you to let go of and so generously into the person in need, into the family, to the church family, whatever it is. And maybe you've just held on when God was calling you to release or to give that. And for you, you just, Lord, would you forgive me? I wanna have a generous heart. I wanna be wise, but I, also, I wanna be generous. And I can be wise and generous at the same time. So Lord, I just pray that you would help me. Help me be generous. Help me to hold on to things loosely that nothing would have a hold on me. Lord, I, I give it all to you. You own it all. So I just, right now, Lord, I just, in, in my mind, I, I give you my house, my car, my finances, my bank account, my checking account, all my stuff, even my Christmas ornaments. God, I just give it, I give it all to you. Lord, if somebody's in need and you put it on my heart to give, God, I pray that I would, I live open-handedly, that I'd live a generous life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If God is touching your life today, and maybe you're listening to this and you're like, man, more than anything, I, I know I need a relationship with Jesus. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ today, I just wanna welcome you, today's your day. That of all places you could have gone on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, God led you to this house and he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to have a relationship with you. He, wanted to, he wants it to be rich and fulfilling. He doesn't want it to be like a relationship where you just bring out your Bible and blow the dust off of it one time a year or one time a month. He actually wants to commune and speak to you and love on you and if you don't have that today, I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer uh, some would call it a prayer of salvation. It's really, it's really entering into a relationship with Him. And so I'm going to lead you in some words. And if if this if this is your heart's cry today, I want to encourage you. You're 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 about to pray the greatest prayer that you could ever pray. You're about to enter into the greatest relationship, the most important relationship that you will ever have, and that is a relationship with your Creator. And it's very simple. You just pray these words. And let's just pray it together as a church family. Why don't we stand together and we'll, we'll pray these words. And this is where we're going to end today. Just pray this after me, church family. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning and I give you my life. And I receive you, Jesus. Would you come and fill me with your Holy Spirit? Forgive me for anything that I've done wrong any areas that I've sinned, where I've missed the mark. And I just ask for a clean slate today. I pray that you clear out my conscience and fill me with your spirit. I commit my life to you today, again, right now, that I will live for you all the days of my life and dwell in your house forever. And God, I pray that you would put your spirit on me. I pray that you would use me in my generation and help me to be a good steward and help me to live generously. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer today, if you prayed that prayer today, you have eternal life.
you have eternal life. But don't live as an orphan when you're a child of God. Part of being a child of God is being in community. I would love to meet you. Uh, we're going to dismiss here now. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. But if you prayed that prayer today and you've committed your life to Jesus, I would love to meet with you and I would like to buy you a coffee. I would like to just connect with you and just get to know you and hear your story and hopefully share some things with you about the love of God and maybe help you in different areas where you, he has a plan for your life. So let me pray a blessing upon you and then we'll close out today, all right? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your, your word is life and I thank you that it's transforming us, God. And I pray a blessing over your people today, God. I pray as we go forth from this building that we're going out into the mission field that you have for us, God. I pray for fruitfulness. I pray for abundance. God, I pray for good stewardship and overflowing generosity from your people, God. I pray that you would lead, guide, and direct every single person here this week, that they would feel so in tune with your Holy Spirit in immediate obedience. And I pray the power of the Holy Spirit over your people in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give God praise for today? Well, God bless you, church. We're going to see you next weekend. Join us for our Legacy Sunday. It's going to be an awesome Sunday in the house. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome week. Stay away from Walmart. They just want to take all your money. God bless you. <laughs> For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.